Welcome to Buffy Boyfriends. Uh, we are two boyfriends watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. One of us for the first time, one of us for not the first time. I'm the Slayer superfan, Sam. And I'm the first time watcher, Mike. Oh my gosh. Just what a, what a pair of episodes we have to discuss today. True. They both have Joyce in them, so they've got some connective tissue, which is important. We're in our Joyce era. Four um, episodes in a row with a Joyce cameo. <laughs> I, I think Christine Sutherland would not appreciate her work on these episodes being called cameos. You're right. But she's us- she's really only there for like one scene. Pop in. Um, do you think her contract said, I'm only going to be working in the second half of the season? <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe she was busy. Maybe she, I wonder if she was like recording and filming a movie or something during the first half. Um, but we are now in the second half, I would say. Uh, I think this was 13 or 14. I think that's right. Uh, of the season. And what an episode. Did you, like, that you, as you've said, are the first time watcher. Did you what did, did you know any of this was coming with and then if anybody's not watching this is the episode, you know, it's Buffy's birthday, she and Angel have sex, Angel loses his soul. Yeah, I do feel like I knew there was something around them sleeping together and that being a major plot point. Um but did I know the specific mechanics of how everything was gonna work out? I did not. And you know what? What what mechanics they are? I mean, can you even believe what ended up occurring and how it all came together? You know, I couldn't. It see, <laughs> it seemed pretty convoluted from all, all of the planners, all of the plotters that are involved in the these two episodes. They seem to have very well laid out, very specific plans. Um, and if one little part of it goes wrong, um, the whole plan comes crumbling down, it seems like. Yeah. And as you flagged in the very, in the first part of this two-parter, they are using a slur quite a bit. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Um, One that I was not even aware was a slur until like 10 years ago, which I guess was a long time ago at this point. But, uh, you know, I feel like. There, you know, it, it is a slur for the Romani people. Um, you know, tough. That you know, that's one of the one of the least offensive things they've done so far in the show. Yeah, but even but every time they say it, it just like feels like someone is slapping me across the face. <laughs> I feel like they put like extra emphasis every time they say it. Mm-hmm. Like we we're saying it and we we mean it. Yes. So we're talking a lot about this curse in this episode and. The mechanics of the curse, to me, are questionable. (laughs) And I've never really thought about it until this time viewing the show. But, like, it seems like a bad plan. Yeah, so can we, let's, let's walk through the steps here. Uh, Well, I'll walk, I'll walk you through my understanding of the steps. Please do. So, the Romani people, some time ago, uh, were terrorized by angelus Mm -hmm. that he did something awful to their community um kill i'm sure he killed people um well well, it it seems to it seems like they he did something similar to what he did to drusilla to mm, one of their like young women 
Got it. That seems to be his thing. He loves to take a young woman and ruin her f- and her entire family. Because he says he wants to do that to Buffy this episode, too. Yeah. So he's kind of just got one move. Um, Very predictable. Who would have guessed? Okay, so the Romani people are obviously not happy with Angelus when he rolls into town, terrorizes this woman and her family, etc. So they place a curse on him. Using some sort of magic, um, their community's magic. Don't really know. Not going to delve deep into that. And this gives him a soul. They they put the curse on him, which gives him a soul, which turns him into the angel we've been watching up until this point, where he's kind of just like a sad sack, boring guy, not really doing anything of use or being very interesting at all. Um. But he's supposed to... So he's got a soul now. He can feel pain or whatever. Regret. Regret, yes. Anything, any negative response to his own acts. Got it. So he... Okay. So that's where we're at. He's got the curse on him. And now now it gets tricky. If you're, if you're following along to this point and you thought, that all sounds really tricky, just wait. Um... So he will only have his soul as long as he's unhappy or whatnot. Um, And if he starts to feel happiness, he will lose his soul. But that also means, and he'll revert back to Angelus, but he'll also lose all of the pain and regret that he had been feeling from the curse, which seemed to be kind of the lesson that the people wanted to put on him. They're like, we want you to feel pain forever. Um, But we're going to put a little loophole into the map. Or maybe this is the way the magic works. But it seems like they wrote in a very specific provision into their curse that said, if you become truly happy, then you can go back to being Angelus. You will, lesson learned, Um, you'll get to do whatever you want for the rest of your life again. Right. That is all 100%. (laughs) my understanding as well and i just it it seems like a bad loophole to put into the curse to me like it just seems like maybe he could keep having a one moment of pure happiness means he can go back to doing what he wants right like being the bad guy chun li like i (laughs) it just seems like it was it must be just how this curse that they had works, but it seems like they didn't, whoever created this curse didn't really think it through. Yeah, this was kind of a first draft curse. Um, they didn't really have an editor mm-hmm. thinking thinking this through with them. And it, oh, sorry. No, what were you saying? I was going to say, it seems like Jenny is with us here. She doesn't seem to really understand the mechanics of the curse either. Or like why they wouldn't tell her about all of the specifics of the curse and then the other thing is that in this episode buffy's like okay well what what can you do for me put the curse back on him like just give him another soul and jenny's like those magics were lost to my people so long ago but this all happened like the the curse was placed on him like a hundred years ago it's like what happened it's gone people it's like people who were there i mean i guess they couldn't still be alive but 
It's not like they just, it's like they would have just died probably. Yeah, they had, we, we had developed as, uh, as a society, we had developed writing at that point. They could have written the curse down a hundred years ago. And yeah, I guess they didn't. Um, or maybe is that Jenny being like, I actually don't like this curse at all. And I'm stopping it from being like recirculated into the world. So she's, this is her act of rebellion against her, her, the leaders of her community. She's like, I don't like this magic and I'm going to pretend I don't know it exists anymore. She tried to go take Buffy to the uncle, but he had already died. Yeah. But it's like, it seems like the uncle wouldn't know either. Or at least the uncle was definitely not going to do it again for some reason. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, wouldn't you think like he could just keep feeling the pain of regret and guilt if you put another soul in him. You'd think. Do you ha- Do you think it's his soul or do they take a soul from somebody else? Could be a new soul. Maybe a soul isn't specific to people. It's just like some, more of like a thing. I don't know. I, we don't really have those answers at this mm-hmm. time. I haven't seen the, I haven't seen the curse. It's not like um, soul in from Pixar. I never saw that. Hmm. I watched but it. But people like it. Yeah. I remember, I don't really remember a lot about it, but there was a cat and there was jazz. Nice. Great. Yeah. Uh, but like, we, it's not like, well, I actually don't know if we, this has all been revealed what I'm about to say. So maybe I won't say what I was thinking, but as far as we know, it's like, when a vampire, when a human becomes a vampire, a demon comes and takes over their body. It's like not specifically that person. It's like a new life form. Okay. I'm with you so far. And so a soul, like I guess then that person's soul would leave their body at that point. And so the new soul, it doesn't seem like it turned Angel back into who he was as a human, he just, like, was the demon with a soul. Hmm. Interesting. It seems like they have created a lot of rules for how the world magic works in every episode, and they kind of just build off of what has already been done. And so in that way, all the continuity heads must be really happy. Yes. I think that there was, during the run of the show... A lot of discussion around like how the world worked and how the magic worked and so like people would create fan works and fan fiction based on what they thought but then as more episodes would come out things would quickly become impossible in the canon like and so the fan fiction would have to be changed or like they would just be like well this was written when we didn't know about this so this is wrong and the writers of the show, they're also kind of like fan fiction, right? Like the authorized fan fiction writers. Because they're making it up as they go along, too. Kinda. So that's kind of like writing a show. Yeah. Support the writer's strike. Oh, truly. WGA yeah. strong. We love our, our fan fiction writers in the WGA. Yes. And it feels like there's more and more people who used to write fan fiction finding... Uh, authorial success slay as we saw today the red white and royal blue movie got an r rating that's all because of the writers 
<laughs> well, I was saying that's based in fan fiction. Mm, and I was giving laurels to writers. Thank You're, you, Casey McQuiston. You slay. Thank you for creating social network fan fiction 15 years ago. Oh, I always forget about that. <laughs> I don't think it's really confirmed, but people seem pretty certain. And it does make sense. I got it. I'm glad you got it. Um, what did you think about these episodes? They were great. Um, I feel like they were very plot heavy, which was 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 it, it was great. Um, big episode thirteen with Buffy's birthday. Um, sort of letting the secret out to new people, um, which was cool. Um, was this the first time we see Spike and Drew back? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Because they weren't in the... They weren't involved with Ted or the eggs. Right, yeah. So Spike and Drew are back. They did not die in the mid-season finale, and they've got a brand new plan, mm-hmm. uh, but their roles have reversed a little bit. You know, in the first half of the season, you see Spike taking care of Drew, and now Drew gets to take care of Spike, and she's really coming into her own um, villainess arc um, and looking very cunty doing everything. <laughs> Um, and yeah, the, the second episode we watched, what was it called? Innocence. The Innocence episode. Um, great exploration of the new normal with Angela as the new bad guy. Um, and as I was saying to Sam, as we were watching the episode, this is the first time Angel's done anything interesting to me. Um, all they had to do is make him a bad guy. Yeah, you seemed like... You said, now you can see why you might want to watch Angel. Yeah, he was cool. He looked great when he was doing vampire things. I don't know. I feel like uh, for these types of characters in general, um, as like... A Damon. Yeah, introducing them as like a reformed bad guy for... Well, no, they were both reformed bad guys. But Damon was always like the badder guy. Yeah. True. What were you saying? But I, I feel like we got introduced to Angel in season one. I'm sure they didn't really know what they were going to do with any of these characters, but he's sort of the reformed bad guy. But we don't have any real connection to that because we haven't, we didn't know him before this. So anytime, like, for example, Drew would say like, oh, he tortured me, killed my family, etc. Well, we weren't part of that journey we didn't actually see any of that happen so it's kind of hard to connect with oh this guy is so different and he's a changed person especially since drew is evil yeah like now likes angel like so it's like they're they really haven't given us someone who was hurt by him i mean like it's like it seems like it should have been like well they should have had like a romani actress playing jenny but like if we had known long before this that he was she was a part of the community mm-hmm. maybe we could have had a little tension there but this sort of came out of nowhere yeah so now but now i think his character has forward momentum and we're going to be able to i feel like we're going to get a lot more investment in his character because now we get to see a new status quo and we get to see him be the big bad i'm sure he'll eventually revert back to being good and or whatever i'm sure they'll i'm sure they'll figure something out and that will be rewarding 
as a viewer because we will have actually seen him do bad things and we can connect with his journey better and that's my thesis i love the thesis thank you cruel it's a cruel angel's thesis yeah uh, some people will think that's funny. Um, no, I completely agree. This episode, in like, it, we it needed the like so many things happened in this episode that like fully twisted the dynamics between like every single single character's relationship. That's overstating it, but like Willow finding out that Xander and Cordelia are hooking up, uh, Oz being more involved in the group, Jenny's reveal, and Buffy being pissed, uh, and then Angel turning. Like all of these things happen in like a like 20 minutes of the tv show and like everybody's pissed at everybody but they all still have to work together because they know that the world might end if they don't that's why you gotta watch the show yeah i love i i love character tension um i think it makes the whatever your story is more interesting if you've got uh people with sort of like opposing viewpoints um end goals um and the the interesting part is like seeing how that all shakes out. Um, so I appreciate that. I also appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, so this, let's talk about the birthday episode. Okay. It all happens while Spike and Drew are trying to collect the pieces of Exodia. Uh, the, judge, the judge. For those of you who don't know the biblical name. Uh, well, that's from Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh. I was making a joke. Got it. Um, yeah, the biblical name. <laughs> right, that Yu-Gi-Oh is my Bible. Um, all at the same time, Buffy, I think Buffy turns 17 in this episode. So, you know, uh, whatever. <laughs> and it's just, I, I don't know. I've lost my train of thought. Um, and then it all, like, we, there's a lot of tension because Jenny's uncle comes into town and he's like, you need to keep Angel and Buffy apart. It's like, this all, like, I, uh, and I, again, I think that generally I love these two episodes. This specific plotline is, one, is bad, and two, should have been involved, like, introduced way earlier in the, in the season. Yeah, I feel like they ha- are kind of, maybe they just, like, said, we don't really know what to do with Jenny anymore. If she's, if we're not going to make her date Giles, so we're putting her into this plot. I don't know. Because I feel like it's, like you were saying, it sort of comes out of nowhere for her character. Um, And I feel like she already, I feel like we already did this really well with Jenny in the first season where you are, you think she's just some like random teacher sort of connected. Mm -hmm. And then you find out she has her own like unique background of being into like internet witchcraft. And that's, that's what makes her useful to the group but now it seems like they are erasing that part of her background i don't know she still talked about like going online and looking up stuff about the judge so she's still techno pagan but now they're also introducing this other piece which totally that's fine and like believable she maybe this isn't like it's not something that she wanted to talk about at first but like for it to have been like good like I keep saying, it just had to happen earlier. Um, but I, like, they do need somebody who knows about it, I guess. Especially if they're going to kill the uncle off right away. Like, I don't know. Not very well-crafted, sad to say. Um, but, yeah. So, like, 
there's this whole thing where they're like they stopped the people from stealing the last piece of the judge. I think it was an arm. And then so the tension is like Angel has to go take the arm uh far, far away and so like they have this like final moment together or whatever, they think they'll never see each other again. Sad. Yeah. And is that where he gives her the ring to her her it's birthday at, gift? It's at some point in that episode, yeah, he gives her the Kladach ring, or however you say that, Klada ring. I don't know how to say it. Not sure, but if you point the hands toward yourself, you're, I forget, but if you point a heart, the heart towards yourself, you're, you have, you're, there's someone you love. Um, I got it. Yeah. Well, I could get a Kladach ring for yeah. you. It's too bad we aren't of Irish heritage. True. But I do appreciate that uh, for this plot that Jenny Jenny's uncle comes into town and he's like, Ugh, you need to like keep Buffy and Angel apart. Um, I feel like the like sort of easy way to solve that plot is be like, okay, we gotta kill Angel now and we're not gonna tell Buffy anything about it. Um but it feel like I feel like Jenny uh, used her brain and the circumstances happening to be like, well, here's the perfect opportunity. We have to get this arm piece far away from Sunnydale. Let's make Angel take care of it. Right. She's like, I know just what to do. Yeah. You need to leave. And I was also, I remember when we were watch or when I was watching the episode feeling like tension because Jenny and her uncle have this like really tense meeting where he's like you need to do something about this and the very next scene is like jenny coming across buffy by herself and be like oh buffy i'll give you a ride to wherever Mm. we're going next and you're sort of thinking is jenny about to kill off buffy what's is she turning into the villain right now but no she was just gonna drive her um to the surprise party (laughs) (laughs) just because it's so weird she's like walking around at school at night but and then like it's all part of the plan to get Buffy to her birthday party with a surprise, but like she just like comes out of the darkness in the hallway. <laughs> yes, it was intentionally misleading, but they just stumble across the vampires moving one of the judges' body parts. Yes, right outside of the bronze, um, and then yes, like what did you? What was I going to say? Oh, well, inviting. Talking about the birthday party, Willow brings Oz around. Sort of the first time Oz has spoken to most of these people. True. Um, love uh, love interest for Willow. Um, it was great. And again, loving the trend of all of these characters when they learn about the vampires and the mythology. Just being like, oh yeah, that sounds cool. Um, and just sort of rolling with that. Yeah, he's like, that actually makes a lot of things make sense to me. <laughs> yeah, so that makes me think he's the right type of person for Willow, if he can handle her crazy. <laughs> the world she's in. Yeah. Um, and he seems, over these two episodes at least, to be a useful addition to the group. It seems like he he's doing more at the beginning of his Scooby gang tenure than Cordelia was doing. True. She didn't really join the group until like a full season after she was introduced. Yeah, but she's she's pulling her weight at this point. I, I, hey, I'm Cordelia Defender number one. Yeah. If anything, I feel like Xander's on his way out of the group because he's not really doing anything. I mean, 
he came up with the entire plan for this episode. Any any seventeen year old boy could have come up with that plan. <laughs> Steal a shoot a big gun. But procuring a big gun. Yeah, that's where he his one trait. Uh, the, the, in talking about the rocket launcher, the guy who played the judge in this episode is the same guy who played Luke in the first two episodes. He was like the Whoa. master's like sire, not sire, but the person who was like the harvest. Yeah, they had to. They, they found a way to get that actor back on set. They were like, we shouldn't have cut you off so soon. Yeah. So me and he doesn't necessarily die at the end of this episode. I mean, he exploded into a bunch of pieces. Yeah, but then they're like, well, we need to collect the pieces in case he can be put back together, Mm -hmm. which sort of seems like he could be put back together. Maybe. Uh, So after the thing at the docks, Buffy and Angel go back to Angel's house and they make love. They fuck. They do. And we get get a... In the the second episode of this, we get a flashback to the sex (laughs) scene for some reason. Uh, where there's a lot of noises being made, um, and I read on the Wikipedia page that that those noises are not Sarah and David. They are like Joss Whedon and the sound editor because he felt it was the first time he'd ever directed a sex scene, and he felt awkward asking them to make those noises. Wow. Maybe he should have had an intimacy coordinator on set. I would imagine that there was not an intimacy coordinator on set. What makes you think that? Because this was shot in 1998 and, or maybe even 97. And I don't think that those were really a real thing yet. Yeah. And I don't see Joss Whedon being the type of guy to have an intimacy coordinator on set. Probably. Even in 2023. Um, Yeah, the, the, they have sex, which is is great for them. A great birthday present, much better than the ring, I would say. (laughs) um noted noted and immediately after angel is something's going on with angel yes he wakes up in pain fully naked and then we cut to outside and he has so many clothes on how'd that happen right he was so distressed waking up that he got fully dressed (laughs) before running outside i don't know he's probably done this before leaving women yeah He's got a routine. He knows how to uh, very carefully put his outfit on as he's leaving in the night. Cat-like moving around. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then there, then the lady is smoking outside and she's like, are you okay? And he is like, absolutely. And he like bites her neck and then breathes the smoke out of his own mouth. Yes. Um, which was pretty great. Um, great visual. Uh, if you weren't aware, Bad Angel is back. He um, drains her, leaves that lifeless smoking body on the side of the road, and carries on with his evening. Leaving Buffy to wake up by herself. Uh, sad to say. Sarah doing an incredible job, I would say, in this episode. She's really serving. They're really throwing her through the ringer this season. They are really testing Sarah's acting range. And she's she's rising to the challenge. I think she's doing great, but she's been... They, they've really thrown a lot at her. They said this is going to be the sad Buffy season. Definitely. And I feel like this is... I, f- like, I've, I mean, I feel like I've been really hyping it up, but like I really feel like this is the point where the show like goes into like 
just overdrive and just is so good for the like rest of the show basically i'm excited for the rest of the like all seven seasons <laughs> i mean i'm not gonna say that every single plotline slays from here on out but i feel like this is where they sort of figured out how like how to make the show good and yeah they do it more frequently than they even have been to this point yeah i mean they've built out their main cast they've got some secondary characters introduced and built like sort of bought into the genre and now they're making them all fight which is great and we needed more tension within the group and even like angel switching to the bad side creates tension with spike and drew yeah it it all works together it's this is all they needed to do and i can't believe it took them 25 episodes to get there but just, like, here. just imagine if Angel had been bad from the beginning, and then it was like Buffy's love or whatever that turned him good. I feel like everybody would love Angel. Yeah, but then like, how would Buffy have fallen in love with him? I'm not the writer. Okay, they're on strike. Right, we can't cha- we can't make a single change to the script while the while the WGA is on strike. Yeah, I'm not pitching a new show during the strike no i love enemies to lovers plot lines um it would just be such a different uh it would be a good first season it would just be so different because angel would be evil but in like a sexy way would it be like angel is pretending to be good but like does evil things without buffy knowing i could see that and then like while he is pretending to be good with Buffy is when he starts to fall in love with her and he's like, maybe I could try being good. Mm. I don't know. And then that could be the way to introduce whatever curse if they wanted to go that route. We could actually see that happen. We could see Jenny or whoever they want in that role, like actually placing the curse on him. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. I love the ideas. Uh, well, you seem to think that the angel will get his soul back. Uh, how do you think that would happen? He has to sleep with Buffy again. <laughs> and then just every time they sleep together, it goes back and forth. Right. So yeah. they're really going to start doing two days. Whoa. Like right back to back. Mm-hmm. Unless, yeah. Just agreement? Yeah, just agreement. No, no one less. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, it does... I, I, I'm sure this was not the first instance of it, but it, you know, continues a plot line where a girl loses her virginity and awful things happen to her right away. Yeah. And, I mean, and that's still going on to this day. Writers are very lazy and they... Not the ones that are striking, they're great. Um, the non-striking writers are the lazy ones writing these types of plots. I think all of the writers are striking, and so likely some lazy writers are striking. Damn. But I agree, like, I feel like this is so... I really, like, yeah. I mean, you can tell Joss we didn't wrote this plot. Martin Oxen stand in for Surprised, uh, and Surprise was directed by, just had it up, uh... Michael Lang and Innocence was written and directed by Joss Whedon. Yeah, so there you go. Joss Whedon sort of in his on becoming a director in Southern California <laughs> era. Uh, feels like he's directing more and more of the episodes. 
Um, no, but I agree. Like, this is so... It feels like it's so standard to have a plotline where characters have sex and then bad things happen because of it. And it's like, this feels so Puritan. Yeah, and I, I feel like I don't really know what this show is trying to say about sex. Um, I mean, I, the obvious message we're getting from this episode is that like having sex when you're in high school or whatever is bad and so don't do that but i i guess i just feel like in other episodes they take like a more progressive approach to sexuality i don't know like when i don't know but now i can't remember i was gonna say like i feel as though cordelia and xander and then I guess also Jenny and Giles are the only relationships to this point where there isn't a bizarre power dynamic at play. Kind of Willow and Oz now too, but just like <laughs> it feels like even the one-off relationships are so biz- like bad, just bad people doing bad things. Uh, starting all the way back when uh, Xander and that teacher were going to sleep together. She was a praying mantis. Mm, like she's evil, yeah. but like. It just seems there's always... When's that actress going to come back? I, she was sliced to pieces. Well, so was Luke. Oh, just the actress? Yeah. yeah. We'll have to do a um, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou episode between seasons. Maybe. Yeah, so maybe, I ha- maybe I'm misremembering the past episodes, but I guess uh, I didn't think they were going to be so regressive. Mm. It's all regressive from here on out. Damn, Buffy's never gonna fuck again. I would. I mean, I guess I wouldn't blame her if she had some trauma from this. Yeah, and Angel really twists the knife in. <laughs> it's like, obviously, he was being bad for the sake of being bad, but the writing in that scene is like, I don't. I like. I'm just like. I was just like gasping. I was like so like. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> it was very similar to the type of things you would hear the Vanderpump Rules cast say to each other. Mm, really? Yeah. I feel like Katie would tell Tom you were bad in bed. Mm, certainly. Um, no, yeah, he's like, she's like, was I not good? And he's like, like literally laughing in her face. <laughs> like, I, I can't believe you would even ask that. Of course you weren't good. <laughs> it's like, oh god. Uh He's like, no, no, I thought you were a pro. <laughs> and he's like, it's not a big deal. We, It happened. It wasn't that fun. And now we don't have to talk about it ever again. Uh, and she's just, well, she thinks it's still him. Yeah. So she's like really upset. Well, this is, you know, an upsetting life lesson for Buffy um, to be disappointed in her future dating. I mean, it kind of, it's all, all up from here. This is kind of the worst thing that can happen to you after you have sex. And so the next time, it's got to be better, right? Well, is she pregnant? You Do you think that she would rather be pregnant or have Angel lose his soul? I think she would rather... Wait, but if he lost... Oh, I'm trying to remember the mechanics here. Because um, it doesn't make sense. Um, I think she would rather be pregnant. Because she could get uh, health care to deal with that. And Angel would still have a soul. Yeah, right, that's what I'm saying. So that's not a worse consequence. Right, but if he has a soul, he can still be her boyfriend. And she can get an abortion. Right, so this is the worst outcome of sex. Oh, yes. 
and so I've talked myself in a circle here. Um, I agree with everything Sam says. Oh wow, what a dream! <laughs> Leave that in. Um, oh, I, I would never edit the podcast. Um, and so yeah, they talk, and then the next time they meet up is in the hallway when at nighttime the lights go out it, like that whole scene like it feels like six things happened at the same time like willow and xander are talking in the hallway angel shows up he's like xander go get the others willow come here willow goes over there jenny's like step away from him she got across and willow's like huh and then angel like strangles her and then buffy shows up and she's like step away from her and then xander grabs the cross and uses it on angel and then Angel and Buffy like kick each other. Angel kisses Buffy and then walks off, all in like a two minutes. Yeah, they the stunt coordinators were really working that scene. There's a lot of kissing in this episode. Uh, Angel kisses Spike. Angel kisses oh, yeah. Buffy. Xander and Cordelia Did kiss, it. and Willow and Oz don't kiss, but they talk about kissing a lot. Yeah, we're in our kissing era. Yeah, paranormal romance is here. Yeah. It took us 25 episodes, but it's happening. They just we we talked about this in previous episodes, but like they just didn't have enough people who could be involved in the kissing. And now with Cordelia more present, Oz being there and Angel flipping around, it feels like there's more tension that can happen. Mhm. I think I'm ready for another interspecies couple. Hmm. Like what species? Uh human vampire Oh, like some other vampire. Yeah. Um, or like Drew and Cordelia start kissing. I don't I'm I'm just spitballing here. Hmm. Um, but yeah, as everyone, because Cordelia and Xander are both human. Willow and Oz are both human. Giles and Jenny are both human with interesting hobbies. Mm-hmm. And so it's just Buffy and Angel. Or I guess in Spike and Drew. But they're both vampires. Yeah. So not even interspecies. Yeah. So I, I feel like we need more of that. More monster secondary characters in general. Yeah. Bring back that teacher. She was an interspecies relationship. Or the puppet. Yeah. Puppet was good. Moloch. Moloch and Willow. We're always waiting for Moloch to return. Yeah. But yeah, lots of kissing. Um i enjoyed willow finding out about xander and cordelia very abruptly and i felt that her reaction was great um love to see her lose her shit on xander um and hopefully this is this is the push she needs to maybe move on from him and give uh her new relationship with oz an honest chance yeah like when Willow was mad at Xander for being into Buffy over her, at least she was like, like, I get it. Like, Buffy's really cool and she's my friend too. Like, I understand. But now, it's like she said in this episode, it's like, we hate Cordelia. We formed the We Hate Cordelia Club. And now you're kissing Cordelia. And that means you'd rather be with someone you hate than be with me. And it's like, yeah, girl. Like, it's... Say that. So true. And she did. Um... And I appreciated that she was mature enough to be like, 
there's a lot happening right now and we all need to be focused on saving Buffy and the world. So I'm going to work with you, Xander, but this conversation isn't over. Yeah. So just know that we're not good. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, girl. And then I appreciated the conversation she had with Oz while they Mm. were waiting for Xander and Cordelia to get the bazooka, um, where they're talking about, Willow is taking Buffy's advice. She's seizing the day. She's like, let's make out. Uh, And Oz, I thought, had a very uh, mature response in saying, I know you're just doing this to get back at Xander, so we're not going to do this right now. Yeah. And I feel like this sort of thing isn't... Like, this form of this conversation, I feel like I'm not used to seeing where the person who's like, you're just doing this to make this other person jealous is at the same time being like, but I can wait and like at some time in the future, you'll be over him and then we'll make out. Usually it's like, you're just doing this to make them jealous. We're breaking up. Yeah. Um, well, he's been daydreaming about Willow kisses for, yes. for weeks now. Sometimes time stops. Yeah. So he's at least got to kiss her once and then he'll he'll pull an angel, break her heart, etc. Do you think that this is the relationship we're supposed to be seeing in comparison to Angel and Buffy and sort of, they're like, take it slow. (laughs) Maybe. Um, I think it's more that I think we're, we're supposed to, I I guess I can compare and contrast it more with Xander and Cordelia where they kind of don't have anything in common and seem to just be like physically attracted to each other. Um, where it seems like Willow and Oz have more to talk about, uh, some more worldview. There, it seems like they're having honest conversations about like what they're looking for, or at least Oz is. Um, so I feel like we're supposed to see this as like the healthy alternative to Xander and Cordelia. Oz has everything. He's got a bigger car than Cordelia. He's in a band. He's into Willow. Good taste. True. Still don't love his, you know, no motivation as a character trait. Yeah. Or maybe he has just uh, transcended. He does seem very wise. Yeah. And calm. This episode also had a lot of, these episodes had a lot of dreams and like prophecies. Mm. Like it started with Buffy having that weird several act dream that ended in Drusilla stabbing Angel. Um, not really, I mean, that didn't end up really happening. Um, but like other parts of the dream came true, like Joyce dropping the plate, but that's mm-hmm. sort of like what caused Buffy to be so like, uh, paranoid and worried about Angel when she, when he like wasn't answering. And then later in the, in the second episode, Buffy has like a very quick dream about like, angel and her at a funeral and then jenny is there and like pulls a veil over herself and so but when buffy wakes up from that she like gets up goes to school and like goes to jenny's class and chokes her in front of everyone (laughs) which was very slay i was i had no memory of that at all (laughs) and so when it happened i really 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 loved it yeah so i guess what we're learning about these dreams uh is that if buffy Buffy believes them no matter what. And maybe they will come true and maybe they won't, but she is going to act on these prophetic dreams. 
and honestly, if I if I had prophetic dreams even 10% of the time that I was dreaming, I would act on most of my dreams. Yeah. Um, And I feel like they, because in the pilot, Buffy had a dream, but I feel like they have not, I feel like this is the first time that her dreaming has been a part of the show since then. Sometimes, like, they're, it's been in and out, but not very frequent. Yeah. I feel like they, I guess I had thought they had moved that sort of magic onto the Drew character, because she also has prophecy dreams, right? Yeah. And, set, like, she, there's, I feel like there's a lot of probably analysis to be made around the sort of, like, bizarre things that Drew says. Like, in this episode, she talked about... Like, she's, like, looking at all the stars and naming them, but there's a lot of confusion because she's named them all the same name, which I'm sure I've read analysis about, about what that's talking about, and maybe it's even for something in future episodes. Who knows? I don't know. But she does just sort of say all sorts of things. Plus, when Angel lost his soul, she, like, knew basically right away. Yeah. Maybe the dreams are connected to Angel. Maybe girls that angel loves slash tortures have prophecy dreams yes when buffy has sex with someone they turn evil when angel loves someone they can see the future that's the magic system yeah i like that's that's on the first page of the 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 show bible Bible. (laughs) (laughs) first 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 rule of buffy the vampire slayer uh yeah any other thoughts anything else we need to discuss i mean the i feel like they're really towing the line with the believability of, like, the mist or what, the masquerade, as people talk about, where, like, normal people aren't aware of what's going on. Like, it's, the, like, Buffy coming into the class and just, like, choking Jenny is, like, and nobody, there's no fallout from that at all. And then, but then at the end of the episode, like, this guy burnt up a human being and tried to do it to, like, 60 people at once. And then Buffy stopped him with a crossbow and then a bazooka. And then it's, like... <laughs> Then Buffy's just, like, at home celebrating birth- her birthday with her mom. Well, she wasn't really celebrating. <laughs> Fair. But yes, I, I agree with you. It feels like they're... Uh, with some of that stuff, they're kind of leaning into the silliness, maybe mm-hmm. too much. Um, and I guess they're... I think I just need them to address... What they've been teasing all season is, like, the townspeople are not as aloof as the show wants us to believe. They all... It seems like they all kind of either accept that Sunnydale is weird and there's going to be some like paranormal activity there or they are in the know and they haven't decided. They haven't they haven't told us anything definitively and it's kind of frustrating. Yeah. It's either like cuz it it started with the show being like and people just make up their own excuses for the weird things they see, but then we get that hint of Principal Snyder being like it was the vampires again with the cops. And then we're sort of like, is there going to be any more information on that? Who knows? No. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was the Buffy and Joyce relationship. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're, it's getting teased out in every episode. I feel like at this point, there's going to be some big conversation between Buffy and Joyce. At least that's what I'm predicting. Whether it's like, I think it'll be Buffy, like, disclosing she's the Slayer, like, talking about um, what she's been doing for the last year and a half with the Scooby gang or whatever. Um, But I feel like the show is, like, hinting at, like, Buffy's getting closer to sharing 
those more personal details with her mom because they have like that interaction when she sneaks in from Angel's house where they just had sex and like Joyce can tell like something happened or like something that Buffy is not saying happened, but she doesn't want to talk about it yet. Um, And then at the end of the episode, Buffy, like Joyce is trying to celebrate Buffy's birthday and Buffy's being such like a cryptic downer of like, I'm just going to let the candle burn actually. Um, She's like, what did you do for your birthday? And Buffy says, got older. Yeah. So there's going to be some sort of big conversation, I'm sure, in the finale um, where some something gets revealed and like a new layer of their relationship is going to unfold. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I feel like Buffy's three biggest relationships at this point in the show are with Angel and with Giles and with her mom. It's I, it's strange to me that like her, one of her friends isn't like one of like the main people in her life i guess and i just would expect it but uh it feels like all three of those relationships had really good moments in this episode with the joy stuff we've just talked about angel and buffy like all throughout these episodes are going through it in various ways going from like so unbelievably in love buffy's like it's getting harder to say goodbye at the end of the night uh, and then suddenly Angel is uh, evil. But then Giles and Buffy have another really amazing... Like, I feel like every three episodes, the, the episode ends with Buffy and Giles having some um, heart-to-heart. And, Bu- and Giles is like... But even this wasn't, like, perfect. But Giles is like, if you're looking for me to make you feel guilty, I'm not going to do it. Like you were in love with him and he was definitely in love with you and he's like do i think you acted rashly yes but uh you know that's fine but it's like and this is all in the conversation of obviously buffy and angel are very different ages and that's not good but it's like it's like why would Giles think that she acted rashly in this way when they had no way of knowing about the purse it's like if buffy knew that there was a chance that he could lose his soul, sure. But, like, she didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, I agree. Is Giles the stand-in for the writers? I think so, at this point. Ugh. Um, oh, the other thing I saw on the show, on the Wikipedia, was that the woman who plays Harmony was credited in this episode, but because of the way they edited it, they cut all of her scenes out. That's so fucked and up. so... Who is she supposed to play? Harmony, but... They were bringing... This episode was all about bringing past actors back. (laughs) True. From the the two-part series premiere. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully she comes back again. We we still stand. Yeah, standing harmony till the end of season seven. Period. Uh, Okay. Segment time. Segment time. Biggest slay. Mike, what was the moment of these episodes? That made you say slay. Wow, great song. Um, we should we should have songs for all these segments. Um, so think mm, of think think it. of the next one. Um, yeah, I I thought that shot of Angel going bad and killing that woman, smoking, and then like he pulls up from her neck, and instead of like dripping blood down his throat, it's like the smoke from the cigarette he like exhales so i mean stupid but it did make me go slay plus i feel like they love equating smoking with being evil uh oh right they did that 
they had like some poster yeah smoking kills yeah. I, I think that was in the oh that it was in the episode with the nightmares i think where that woman went down into the basement and then she was like i gotta go uh or maybe it was the frankenstein episode i can't remember but she's like i'm just gonna go down into the boiler room and smoke and then the monster came out of the shadows and like killed her and then it flashed to a smoking kills poster in the boiler room and it does this woman dead for me biggest slay definitely the like 15 seconds where buffy woke up and then (laughs) went like was walking through the hallway and then went into jenny's classroom and we saw that all the people were in the classroom and she and giles was there for some reason (laughs) and they're like oh buffy hey and then jenny she like fully chokes her on her desk (laughs) like just knocking her down down yeah and she looks snatched doing it she looks so good i think there was another part of this uh two part where buffy woke up and she had like so many rings on and earrings just like fully ready for the day but like was getting out of bed which i thought was very funny um moving on to fashion moment good song thanks um i did all of my fashion moments are from the birthday episode Mm -hmm. um i hope that's okay that's fine um let's see i don't know what scene this is from but it looks like they're in the library and willow is wearing a very comfortable looking gray sweater with like a dog on it i have a screenshot of that yep a yorkie uh (laughs) but then when she turns around she's got a very cute tiny adidas backpack on and i feel like that is aligned with the trend right now of having like a tiny backpack or a fanny pack when you go out. Um, so fashion is cyclical, um, and Willow has been slaying for decades. She had a different tiny backpack on it a couple episodes ago with, like, rainbows on it. Yeah. They love a backpack this season because Cordelia had that, like, teddy bear backpack. Yes. Um, my other fashion moment is Cordelia looked amazing at Buffy's birthday party. Red dress. Um, and then... I think she was wearing this in both episodes, actually. Drew's red dress was very distinctive, and I really liked it. Um, What was your fashion moment? Well, I will say David Boreanaz was topless a lot in these episodes, uh, which I was supportive of. Um, there, the My favorite thing that happened in this episode is Willow wears this like bizarre purple hat at the beginning of the birthday episode. And then she goes out, like, to t- to ask Oz out, basically, for the first time. She's wearing this terrible purple hat. Uh, and it, it, like, looks like it's made out of felt. It's bizarre. Um, Cordelia's rocking this amazing turtleneck jacket combo. Um, and I will also say that Cordelia looked amazing while trying to sneak into the... Uh, military base yes very silvery metallic jackets with matching headband yeah it was um moving on to xander slander Ugh. what was the absolute worst thing that xander did in this episode well there are two episodes so the episodes yes. yeah um as we've as we've been saying i feel like xander is getting better generally but he finds a way to say something horrendous in every episode <laughs> So, uh, for the birthday episode, he greets Buffy on her birthday by saying, Buffy, I feel a pre-birthday spanking coming on. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't even remember that. Um, 
so that's what he got birth- Buffy for her birthday, mm-hmm. um, which I feel ranks below the ring and losing her virginity. Um, And then in the second episode, he's really negging Cordelia a lot. um, Telling her like the only way she could help Buffy is if she needed grooming tips. And then um, when they're like getting ready to go steal a gun from a military base, he tells her to dress trashier. Um, when she's wearing like a sweater yeah she was dressed to go to school and Cordelia looks amazing in every outfit she's wearing Um, and I don't know that I would I feel like her choice to wear that metallic jacket was her uh, way of pushing back against Xander being like I don't own anything trashy and I'd believe it yeah Um, and my Xander slander other than those moments Definitely, um, when Willow is talking to Buffy on the phone, and it's like so clear that Buffy is so upset and worried that Angel is dead, and Xander cuts into the conversation to be like, "Say hi for me." It's like, oh my god, read the room, sort of have a human emotion for once. Hard for him. No, um, he's a bad man. I the he did make a lot of negging comments about Cordelia in that episode, in the second episode. But surprisingly, he did apologize for them, which I feel like is growth. That's good. But he all this is also the episode where he really leaned into his like pro gun military man. Mm. Uh, I feel like because the writers in, reintroduced the fact that he was turned into a gun in the Halloween episode. <laughs> um, I forgot that it was a gun. And now he knows everything about the army and weaponry and so is that i feel like they're gonna turn him into the weapons guy and that's fucked up very matt from wheel of time Mm, yes but matt is a good character true you know i agree uh next episode we will be talking about phases and bewitched bothered and bewildered Wow. Gooped, gagged, and betribbled. Finally coming. Finally. Uh, do you have any predictions based off the titles of those episodes? Uh, phases. Uh, Willow is going to turn back into a ghost and phase through walls again. Um, and then Bewitched, Bothered, and Betribbled. Um, Jasmine Kennedy is going to make a cameo. <laughs> I thought that was crystal method for some reason but i believe you she can ma- she can make a cameo too we'll accept both or either either or utica queen come through mm, uh, we don't need her <laughs> okay um any other thoughts i'm i think i'm set two good episodes excited to continue this forward momentum playful uh as always thank you for doing this podcast with me and i love you so much i love you too uh okay bye bye let's go see mario (laughs) yeah we gotta go see mario with my sister bye slay